Welcome to the Seek First podcast with Steve and Jordan. This is a podcast about seeking first the kingdom of God where we work, live, and play. The content of each podcast will correspond to the current sermon series at Ontario Christian Church, current events that rise up, and also to the church calendar. Thanks for listening. So what is today's podcast about? Today's podcast is going to be about James chapter 5, verses 19 through 20. We've been studying this, the book of James as a church in a series since the beginning of the year, and we're actually closing it out this week and giving some final thoughts just on this passage that stuck out to us particularly. Would you mind going ahead and reading it? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. James 5, verse, starting in verse 19. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins so when you read over that passage like what is the one of the main things that jumps out to you that you think james is trying to wrap up at the end of it this message that he sent out well i love how he closes uh, his his final exhortation is addressed in the same way that he's addressed many of his exhortations, my brothers. And that word is adelphoi in Greek, and it actually is a, it could be addressed, my brothers and my sisters. He's talking to the household of God. Um, and what sticks out to me is he's exhorting them to kind of keep watch over one another, uh, to... If somebody wanders, if someone uh, wanders off and is as far from the truth as he says, or, or sinning in his wandering, uh, to bring him back. That's what sticks out to me. We are our brother or our sister's keeper. Yeah, I hear that phrase used a lot in our current culture, uh, but sometimes I think when it boils down to it, like being one another's keeper um, also means calling out one another's sin. Like in love, like the spirit is not done in judgment, but in in love. Mm -hmm. And how do you think that culture is transitioning or needs to transition in our current church structure? Just throwing you on the spot here, Jordan. That's great. (laughs) Well, I think uh, there's a lot of stigma that comes with calling one another out in our sin. I think there's a lot of woundedness, potentially. Um, Maybe someone has been called out in a way that wasn't unloving or that wasn't loving, sorry, uh, called out in a way that was not in line actually with what Galatians 6, 1 says. Uh, Galatians 6, 1 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, again, a transgression, again, he says brothers. Paul here is talking to Christians. If anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And it's kind of what you said, Steve. We... Also, you know, we are a brother or a sister's keeper. We still need to call one another out in love. And Paul's saying that here, you should restore him. But how? In a spirit of gentleness, not in a spirit of rage or wrath or unrighteous judgment. Gentle, just like the spirit's conviction in our lives. And I agree with that, and I think in a lot of ways our culture um, has a desire to have people align to what we think is best for them instead of them instead of bringing them to Jesus and allowing them to conform to his image. Our desire oftentimes is to make people conform to our expectations. And uh, so this is actually saying a lot of the opposite. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, to be gentle is in lowly is the way of Jesus. Uh, and I was thinking a lot about Peter and how Peter had denied Christ three times. And though he says, you know, get thee behind me, Satan, at one point, when he actually restores him back to ministry, um, he uses the phrase, uh, do you love me? Mm-hmm. And so it brings that thing full circle in my mind of the gentleness of the Lord in his love, in his gentle rebuking love. Um, his desire was to bring Peter back in line with the plans of the Lord, not Peter's plans, not operating from the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a self-discipline or sound mm-hmm. mind. And so Jesus does discipline us in such a way that his desire is for us to be lockstep with him um, in order to participate in his kingdom in a way that would bring him glory. Uh, what other thoughts did you have? I know there's another scripture that you'd been thinking about when we talked about the specific passage. Yeah, another scripture that was on my heart uh when when kind of meditating and studying this passage uh, was Jude 22. Jude 22. Jude 22 says, And have mercy on those who doubt. And now James here is talking about uh, someone who's sinning in their wandering, but I, I also believe a wandering can can take place when we're walking through seasons of doubt. And I love Jude's exhortation here. Have mercy on those who doubt. You know, if we are going to attempt to help someone in the midst of their doubt, uh, bring them back uh, to what is true, bring them back to what we believe as Christians, uh, we're to do it with mercy, not judgment, uh, not condemning them for their doubt. Doubt doesn't make us less Christian. Um, doubt can actually make us stronger if we walk through it in community and if that community is loving as we walk through it together. You know, I've always been fascinated by, at the end of John chapter 20, you know, Thomas, uh, he gets he gets the, the bad rap of, of doubting Thomas. And I remember actually reading a book and, and seeing this pointed out, uh, that when Jesus appears to the disciples, uh, he doesn't appear to Thomas because Thomas is wherever Thomas was when Jesus first returned. And Thomas then says, unless I put my hand in his side and my my finger in the holes in his hands, I will not believe. He actually says, I will never believe. And then the scriptures say, eight days later, Thomas is in a house with the disciples. Where is Thomas in the midst of his doubt? He's making the conscious decision to still be with the community of faith. And what is the community of faith doing? They made the conscious decision to still have space for Thomas in the midst of his doubt. And then Jesus has that scene where he appears in the house, even though the doors are locked. Interesting. That'd be quite the scene. That would get your attention. That would. Imagine that during a Sunday gathering. Mm -hmm. Um, And Jesus goes right to Thomas. He, He doesn't, he's not repulsed by Thomas's doubt. And he says, hey, Thomas, put your hand here and put your hand in my side. And he meets him right in his doubt. And I think we, as believers, can do the same to those around us who doubt. And when we doubt, we can look for those who are going to show us the same kind of mercy and love. I think you can definitely read in people their, well, oftentimes you can read their intentions, like as if for their own gain, um, to get another score, sharp, uh, score in their score sheet to say, hey, I 
corrected this person, rebuked them right, and brought them along the way versus a deep desire to have that person return back to the Lord. And it's just this um, grace and mercy that flows with a heart that has the best motive towards that individual, Mm. um, which is obvious, I think, in a community that loves Christ and reflects Jesus and understands. I think you can only offer what you possess, and so I can't offer to Mm. others this kind of grace or even... um, the desire to help them walk closer to Jesus without judgment, unless I understand how Jesus walks with me first. And so mm-hmm. if I understand his grace and mercy that he's bestowed upon me and my brokenness and how patient he and long-suffering he was with me, like when I have that wrapped up in my own head and mind, and I, then I approach others that are in their brokenness or in sin, out of that spirit of humility, they're more likely to hear it. They're yeah. more likely to understand that um, we're for them and not against them. Um, and, I, and I think the Lord can definitely do even more when we submit our our walk in humility to helping others in, the, in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and not when the people doubt or... Um, and, often, and that is what sin is, ironically. Like, sin is like re- either rebelling against what the Lord has called us to do or doubting that the Lord, like what the Lord has asked us to do is actually good for us. And so mm. we would rather choose our own path because we think it's best for us versus what God has. Uh, so that word, I think, would play into the theme very much so mm. um, in allowing people to have their faith restored, both in their, like, moving from sin to life, death to life, but also from doubt to faith. Uh, which both I think play out in uh, in lockstep together. Mm-hmm. Was there anything else in that passage that had jumped out to you that you wanted to talk about? Or, I mean, that last part twenty three, save others by snatching them mm. out of the fire. I mean, that's not a. This is like an urgency as well. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I I didn't know. I thought you were talking about James. Oh no, you're fine. And Jude, um, <clears throat> yeah. uh, James says pretty much very similar thing, right? right? right. It kind so. of ends well. They are related, so. That could be the case, right? <laughs> Truth. Yeah. So yeah, save others. There's an urgency there. And and, and as you said, uh, you have your finger over in First Peter, but as you said in, in James, there there's an urgency uh, to what exactly, if you go to restore someone who's wandering, what exactly you save them from. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is an urgent call for us uh, to be, watchful and loving to those around us. And I think Jesus also tells us, like, if we've talked a lot about this last number of years, but uh, to be watching ourselves or our own lives very closely, like be self-monitoring before we're looking outward. Um, And I think a lot of people feel uncomfortable, like I don't have the right to call out other people's sin because I've got my own junk, which is very true. Um so deal with your own junk. Mm. Let God deal with mm-hmm. that, and then walk with others as well. And I think it, part of this is that we 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 look at it as like I'm I'm way up this the rungs of the ladder looking mm. down on you. No, the truth is we're like alongside one another, right. sinners saved by grace. And so l- let me help you in your walk, and you help me in my walk, and it's a mutual carrying of one another's burdens. Uh, obviously, there's going to come a time where I can't do that on Judgment Day. Right. You have to make account for your own, but in the meantime, we have been called to uh, live life together in that sense. Hmm. Um, 
In that last part of James, I mean, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover mm-hmm. over a multitude of sins. Like when you read that passage, what comes to your mind, and it really goes a lot with your Jude passage that you brought up as well, snatching them out of the fire to others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Mm-hmm. I mean, that Jude is pretty blunt yeah. with the reality of sin and what's going on. And I think James uh, kind of gives us a, an interesting narrative or picture that, that we consider of um, saving his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Like when you think of that phrase, multitude of sins, uh, what we had that discussion, but what, what comes to your mind? When I think of that phrase, a multitude of sins, I think of the other scripture, love covers mm-hmm. a multitude of sins. And James is really saying the same thing. Uh, anyone who wanders from the truth and someone brings him back. It's a loving thing to do to bring someone back to the truth. Um, and, and in doing so, you cover over a multitude of sins, whatever it may be, uh, whatever we can imagine. I think multitude of sins includes a lot of different sins, and um, God's grace is bigger than all of those things, and he can show that grace to us through his people, bringing us back to the truth. Yeah, and I think also with multitude of sins. I mean, if I if I were to if I'm a sinning and I continue down a certain path of sin, mm. there are a lot more negative things that could occur if I stay in that path. Like if you di- draw a diagram or a line and say, if you remain on this path, what's going to be the outcome of your sin? How who's it going to affect? Mm. The irony is, is that when we readjust our path back to Christ's path we are changing, in some sense, changing the course of who could have been hmm. harmed yeah. by, our, by our sin. Um, and so I think part of that passage may speak to some of that as well, speaking about um, a father who is abusive, and then he finally fixes his ways to Christ. Now he can restore and reconcile and redeem that relationship so the kids and the wife may not have to go through mm-hmm. the full magnitude of uh, the consequence of his sin had he not been realigned to the Lord and you can I mean there's a lot of different ways that could play out um, an addict or, or anything um, considering that when when we help one another realign back to Christ the effects like the long-term effects mm. um, become more God-honoring Lord willing as well and that text that he brought up is first Peter 4 um, 7 and 8 um, the end of all things is at hand that's rather sobering mm. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. And we've been, we're going to be talking a lot about prayer over the next few weeks uh, as we lead up to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And, um, but he gives us the reality that um, as we're walking with one another, we'd be self-controlled. So we're going to be thinking about how can we control our actions and our mind and our hearts and our words, and then also sober-minded, uh, which means our eyes are to the cross and to the resurrection, mm-hmm. that our thoughts and everything we are focused on is to glorify God for the sake of your prayers. So the ultimate thing is to have that relationship with God that's secure, sound, and strong uh, by not being fearful in this world, uh, but by walking with Christ. And he says, above all, whenever any author says that, you need to pay attention, right? Mm -hmm. Then he basically quotes uh, James again here, or they Mm -hmm. quote each other, keep loving one another, keep loving one another earnestly, which means it's work. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And since love covers a multitude of sins, and then he says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Um, use your gift that God has given you. Steward it well. And, and I won't go through all the rest of that there. The last line is to him. Uh, I'm sorry. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That being Jesus Christ, who he's referring to right before that, King Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so kind of wrapping some of this up, unless you had other thoughts specifically about this, but uh, when we think about what James is talking about, um, walking with one another in faith and uh, correcting one another out of um, walking uh, in lockstep with Jesus, do you have any closing thoughts or anything else that you wanted to share? Yeah, I guess one closing thought would be the consistency of the theme throughout James of uh, taking what you know and doing it, Uh, taking what you've heard or learned and putting it into practice. And this is something we've talked about, and it's a greater theme within the context of other scriptures as well. But um, James is basically saying, you know, throughout this book, make sure you are taking what you know and putting it into practice. And he's also turning it and saying, uh, make sure your brother and your sister is doing the same thing. Um, so I, I, although it is a rather uncommon way to end a book in the New Testament, I think it's right in line with the rest of what James has called these people to and us as well. I agree. And um, for my last thought as well, I think that none of this can be done in isolation. It has to be done in community. And so it's that relational aspect that he's calling us to live in. And God has called us into community. And it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. But it's also a blessing. It has the highs and the lows. And that's called life. And so I think that as uh, James is rather direct in a lot of this, um, just to keep in mind that you aren't called to uh, be an island. You're called to Mm. be with other people. And uh, so the Bible is best applied in community. Thanks for listening to the Seek First podcast with Steve and Jordan. We hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please feel free to reach out to us as well as any topics you would like us to consider in the weeks to come. We encourage you to continue to seek first the kingdom of God where you work, live, and play. Blessings. Blessings.